0: Hi, and welcome to episode 108 of Three Geeky Ladies. I'm Elisa Pacelli, and with me is Vicki Stokes. Hi. And since Suze is in France right now, we decided to invite our fourth geeky lady, Tom Schmidt.
1: <laughs> Bonjour.
0: <laughs> Perfect, Tom. <laughs> you will be our Suze stand in for the episode so oui. we <laughs> that's that's about the extent of my french uh, language also <laughs> but before we get started we did want to go over very quickly some feedback we received uh from donna campbell uh based on what we were speaking about when uh, vicky and i were talking about wwdc and the um home pod and different kind of speakers. She said that she really likes the Bose Soundlink Mini Bluetooth Speaker 2. It's $180, it's portable, Bluetooth, and has great bass uh, great bass. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes at the Apple store. And then we received uh, another email from Jesse Miller, who is on Gen Reviews and was talking way, way back when we had done an episode back in the early days about gardening. We have a link to how to start a garden on Gen Review. So we'll put that in the show notes also. And then finally, we want to pay our respects to longtime listener Dorothy Yamamoto, who sadly passed away earlier this summer, we just found out recently, she is a was a longtime friend of many different podcasts. She was very supportive, a wonderful person, and we are going to miss her a great deal. So please keep Dorothy and your thoughts and your prayers with you know, her and her family. Yeah, yeah, Alisa and I met her at a uh, Macworld. And she was just so gracious and such a nice person. And uh, yeah, I, I just my condolences to your family. Yeah. So, the reason why we also would like to have Tom here is because when he was at uh, Mac Stock earlier this summer, he talked about Mac maintenance.
1: Yes, I did. Well, specifically, um, how to get ready to, um, you know, if, if your Mac needs to be brought into a shop to be prepared, how to, or repaired, how to get it, you know, get prepared so that they can do the best job for you. I think, let's see, what did I title it? Um, what to do when your Mac needs repair was the title of my talk. Because, I mean, just far too often, you know, people come to me and they just kind of get tongue-tied when it when it comes to describing, um, you know, what's going on, or they don't have, you know, certain passwords and things that, that we need to do things. And... All of that stuff can get in the way of of um, getting the repair done quickly and efficiently and sometimes even correctly.
0: So in other words, some, someone would come in and just say, here, my computer's not working.
1: That's happened.
0: And mm-hmm. you have no idea where to even begin the troubleshooting process.
1: Right. People have a tendency to, to say not so much... Um, what it is what it is doing, which is really more helpful, but they say what it's not doing. Like, it won't start. Okay, well, that doesn't help me. What helps me is what you see.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a blue screen or something.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. And just some examples would be, um, you know, you, you, you tell me it has a bad video card. Well, um, I'm the person who's supposed to figure that out. It helps me more... In case you're wrong, because I'm the one who's supposed to diagnose it, what you're seeing, mm-hmm. you know, rather than saying it won't turn on, you would say something like, you know, it stops at the gray apple when I start it up. Yeah. Something a little bit more descriptive.
2: Mm-hmm. Instead of, oh, well, I think it's a firmware problem. Uh, right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, when
1: I hear it won't turn on, that tells me there's absolutely no power. Yeah. And if you're getting the gray apple and it stops there, that's not no power. Mm-hmm. Plus, there's a
0: difference if it's the gray screen versus the question mark.
1: Right, it's all that you know. Those those are symptoms of, of different possibilities.
2: So, so what should they do before they they come to you?
1: Well, the biggest thing is finding a good place to bring it. That's kind of the hardest part, um, and that was most of what I talked about. Um, the easiest way to find a good place to bring it would be to go to Apple's website where you can choose between a service provider or an Apple consultant. And that would be that address is locate.apple.com. And on that, it's not just servicing things, but there's also purchasing things. So there, when you go to that webpage, there's four squares, there's sales training and certification. And then the two on the right are service and consulting. And those are the two that you would go to to try and find some help. Um, A consultant, someone like me, who will come to your home for certain things, um, service is, um, you know, always it's a place that you bring it to when there's some sort of a hardware repair that needs to be done. So there's different situations. Like if you're having a networking problem or sometimes even a software problem, you might want someone to come to you Rather than bringing your computer into a shop, and um, a consultant would be more appropriate for something like that. And mm-hmm. uh, if your computer's broken, you definitely want to bring it in there. Uh, consultants, some consultants do that thing, some don't, but the service providers all do. Um, and, yeah, then there's differences in um, whether or not they can, pro- you know, provide warranty service. Because you have to be certified by Apple for that sort of thing, uh, and then it it gets complicated. there, there it, if your machine is older, there's some authorized places you can't bring it to because they won't deal with the older machines. So in those cases, you may have to go with a consultant as well. There's a ton of research that needs to be done, well, maybe not a ton, but a little bit of research needs to be done in order to find the best place to bring it. That's one starting point. Um, There are search functions when you go to locate.apple.com that will find good places to bring it in. And there are opportunities for users to leave reviews on the different service providers and consultants. Um, Google is another way to search for this stuff, but Google will kind of find everything. It's like the big fishing net of, of finding places. And it's easy to find a place... That's not really well prepared and trained in getting this stuff done if you go through Google, so that's kind of it's casts a wider net, but you got to be a little more careful with it and the same with Yelp, but Yelp is a little bit more focused in um you know people writing reviews and businesses having descriptions of themselves. but those are the three the three ways that I discussed um being able to find a place. And then once you go ahead,
0: I was going to say, Tom is if you live in a location that has an Apple store and an authorized service provider, is there a, is there a preference doing one over the other or is it just comfort level?
1: Mainly comfort level. Um, There are some of the policies and procedures. I, I used to work at a service provider. Um, there are some of the policies and procedures and things that are a little bit different. Apple retail store and an authorized service provider. There's some things the stores can do that the service providers can't do, and vice versa. Um, but that's more like corporate policy, company policy kinds of things. Um, consultants have a little bit freer reign, but the difference. On, on the machines where Apple still supplies service parts for them is the Apple Store and an Apple-authorized service provider can order parts directly from Apple. A consultant cannot. That doesn't mean a consultant can't get a legitimate Apple part. There are other ways to do that, which I use all the time. Um, but that, that's, that's kind of a difference there. So the next thing that I talked about after um, where to bring it was was um, getting a good problem description kind of in your head to be able to tell them what to do. You want to describe it in you know nice plain old words exactly what you see. Don't try to to be too techy about it or 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 even describe this is my problem. you need to fix it. How much will it cost well. The person needs to look at it to confirm what you believe might be the problem. It's not unheard of for somebody to come to me, say, oh, yeah, I know what it is, and they're just way off. So it's, it's not a good thing to really come in with, here's my problem, how much is it going to be, and when is it going to be done? because all of that stuff is is part of a process. When when something is is brought in, we they can tell you when it can get started and give you an idea of when it might be done. But being in the repair business is being in the in the business of things going wrong. Things don't always go exactly as planned. Um it, a issue that you didn't even know was there could be encountered. Like like you know you're having a glitchy video card, but then they run tests, and all of a sudden, oh, well, you got a dead hard drive too, only you didn't know it because it just kind of seemed a little slow to you, and nobody ran tests on it yet mm-hmm. and the more specific that that you can be telling them what's going on um is more helpful, and sometimes even taking pictures is a great idea, like if it's a one of those things where the, the screen on your laptop kind of glitches out every once in a while, but it doesn't do it all the time. If you can get a picture of it and bring that picture with you, because, I mean, there's certainly been times people have brought me stuff where, where it just does not do whatever they said it was doing. And it's like, okay, it seems fine to me. And then you give it back and it doesn't fix their problem. But if you can show me a photo, then... It might be something where I look at the photo and it's like, oh, okay. I see what it looks like in the photo and I know exactly what will fix that.
0: I've done videos, especially when there's noise involved. I've taken videos of it to be able to say, here, this is the sound it's making.
1: Yeah, that's a good idea too. Um, and sometimes, you know, we all have busy schedules and sometimes, you, you know, like students have their parents bring their computer in for them or something. Um if somebody's bringing it in for you, rather than you know depending on the man in the middle to accurately describe it, send a note along with. That's very helpful. And then of course you know make sure that you you um, you have all the passwords. You like your Apple ID and your password and the login password. Um, if there's email accounts involved, all the. Um, you know, the addresses and passwords for that, the server information can usually be figured out, but it, if you can get that as well, that's helpful. Um, a phone number where you're easily reachable. If there's an external device, um, the power supply that goes along with it, um, if it has something to do with Microsoft or Adobe software, the Microsoft ID and password, the Adobe ID and password, Um Just, just anything that has something to do with the problem, just including that with is incredibly helpful in preventing, um, you know, back and forth about, well, I need this and then I need that and I can't proceed without it.
0: Now that kind of thing, you say that a power supply with an external drive, not with the computer itself.
1: Generally not. Um,
0: Because I find that interesting because when I've brought my computer in, I always bring the power supply just to be sure that that's possibly not an issue that's causing whatever the problem happens to be. And they always say, nope, we don't need that. We don't need that. We have our own.
2: Well, I've had the experience where they kept my power supply, so I don't ever bring (laughs) mine. Well,
0: I mean, if I turn my computer in for them to work, I don't give them the power supply. But just when I'm bringing it to the Apple store, knowing that there's a problem with it, they're going to tell me what it is or not tell me what it is, whatever the case may be. And then I'm going home with it. So I know the power supply stays in my bag. But they, mm-hmm. never want it, they never want to use it. And I'm always thinking, well, don't you want to use it just in case maybe it's part of the problem, especially if it's a hardware problem versus a software problem?
1: Well, it's so often not part of the problem.
0: True. And, but I mean, to, and, to rule it out.
1: Well... I mean if if it's video issues, the power supply is not part of the troubleshooting at all. Okay. Just as a, a very specific example. Um, and like I said, I worked for an Apple authorized service provider previously. I met up an Apple consultant now. And you know, both places we like to take in as little of, of a person's equipment as possible just to avoid those situations where you know, like, like say, an iMac with, with just the plain old power cord, and they leave the power cord with it. I've had people drop off an iMac with a power cord. We give it back to them at the time of drop It's Like, we don't need the power cord. Take it with you. Um, and we go through the process fixing their iMac, and then they pick it up, and they're like, where's my power cord? Well, we didn't take it in. We gave it back to you when you dropped it off. And we document that kind of stuff. So, I mean, the pot, the possibility of misunderstandings over where equipment is, um, you know, peripheral kind of equipment is, is generally why they don't take in the extra unnecessary things like a power cord. Um, You don't want to risk um, with all the machines that are around in the office accidentally losing somebody's thing.
0: Mm -hmm. So what else do we need to bring in?
1: more often than not just the computer that's in in 90 some percent of the cases that's all that's necessary is you know not the keyboard not the mouse in the case of an imac um of course the laptop has all that brought in and you know built in but i mean just the computer far more often than not is the only thing that's needed
2: Okay. No need. To, there's no need to do anything like uh, run some kind of um, utility um, or have done any kind of uh, work that you could look at. Well, you could do that on your own, I guess. So that sort of explains itself. you, you yeah. can run those same utilities that I would run. Yeah, you know? uh, but it's useful if I've done it to tell you what I saw. Or, yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, most people don't do that, but if, Mm. if you have run something, I mean, that's part of the kind of thing that I would want to know. It's like, you know, I ran disk utility and it said there were these errors on the drive, but it said it couldn't repair them.
2: Mm. Okay.
1: Most people don't have the utilities other than, you know, what the computer ships with, which the thing that people might use the most would be disk utility.
0: And it's also really important that everyone do a full backup before you bring your computer in, because you just don't know what's going to happen.
1: Right. I mean, that's that's the question. One of the questions we ask at drop off is: is your computer backed up? Um, I mean, for one, when when you're a small business like we are, that can create a little bit of a opportunity. It's like, oh, you're not backed up. Well, we can. Sell you this drive and get your time machine backup set up, so in the future you don't lose anything.
0: With with the computer that I'm using now, it it died about. Oh, see, I bought it October November, just about two and a half months after I bought it. I had gone out one day and I was planning on coming home and doing a backup. And when it worked, the computer worked fine before I left the house. And when I came home nothing. It was just completely dead. So I brought it to the Apple store and they said, at that moment, they could just swap me a computer. And I said, no, because I couldn't back this computer up. That was the whole point. So what they ended up doing is they had to send it out for repair and it ended up being um, the logic board.
1: And And that's where I say sometimes a Apple Store and a Apple authorized service provider might be able to do different things for you. When I was at the service provider, we wouldn't necessarily swap out the whole computer, but if if we were in a situation where somebody had just bought a computer and, you know, a couple of weeks after they bought it, it died, they didn't have a backup, um we would just take an identical model swap the drives between the two and swap it that way.
0: I asked them to do that. And I forget, I've, you know, it's, it was a couple of years now. It's been three years. So I can't remember what the exact problem was, but it was something like, can you swap the drives, but I still want the old one so I can make a copy. And it was no, you have to get a different computer or we have to send it away, that kind of thing. So I just right. said, send it away, fix it. And then it happened again. And at that point, when it happened again, I had had a fresh backup. So I just said, Let's swap. I wasn't too thrilled, though, to be honest, leaving my data there, at the, you know, knowing I wasn't going to get that computer back. But I just have to hope that they were they were good about destroying everything.
1: Yeah. Apple's privacy policies are really tight. So there's nothing to worry about there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, hit from anecdotally, from what I've heard, the Apple store doesn't swap drives but a service provider might be able to do that. So, I mean, that's yeah, just It wasn't one a drive
0: issue, but I wanted, I didn't have a backup. You know, it's been like maybe two yeah. weeks prior that I'd done a backup. And like I said, when I walked in the door, that was the first thing I was planning on doing was backing up my computer.
1: Right. And, and in a majority of these instances where I've done something like that, it, you know, it wasn't a, a drive issue either. It was like a dead logic board or something.
0: Is there anything else that you want to share with us about maintaining your Mac? Should we buy um, things like Clean My Mac or any of those Drive Genius or any of those programs that help you figure out what's um, going on? Is it worth it?
1: Clean Clean My Mac, just since you specifically brought that one up, kind of operates in a little bit of a gray area. It gets flagged by advertising injection software scanning utilities um it's one of the things that i mean along mac keeper is far worse um but it's one of the things that gets removed by those utilities there are some things that um i mean mac keeper is especially egregious at it but there are some things that, that clean my mac does places that it goes that it kind
2: of shouldn't um, i don't I don't trust a lot of those
1: cleaning utilities to really do everything that they say they're gonna do. Um, in in my experience, you you download a trial version of it, and 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 as I said, MacKeeper's like the worst example of it. You download a trial version of it and it finds all these problems, and I'm using air quotes here. Um, and then it says for, you know, forty nine dollars or whatever, we can unlock the software and and get it all cleaned up. And I I tend to think of that sort of a product as kind of scareware. I mean they're finding these problems that aren't really problems. Right. That that they don't really yeah when you fix them, it's not something that really makes your computer run a whole lot better. Um, I mean, there's a lot a lot of things are are built into the operating system, and this stuff in 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 a, a lot of instances kind of takes care of itself. Um, like file optimization was put in um for any file, twenty megabytes or larger back in Panther, so I mean, the, the need to optimize a drive is not something that's really so much there anymore. Um, unless, you're, unless you're like working with really large video files and that sort of a thing can be handy. Um, but now with, with everything moving from hard drives to solid state, you don't wanna run optimizers on a solid state drive because that puts more wear on the drive and shorten its life. So that's going to as as everything eventually moves totally to solid state. Um, optimizing software is just going to be something that is just not a thing anymore. Um, let's see what other kinds of things. Probably what I would recommend, rather than than clean my Mac if if there are you know cache files or temporary files or something like that. Um, that gets gummed up, you know, just weird behavior is the only way you can really tell that there might be something to look at in that area Was is probably Onyx. That's free, and it can kind of go through and clean out those cache files and temporary files and whatnot. And there's a bunch of other stuff that it does, too. Um, some of it is a little bit, you know, for a novice user, something to stay away from. But one of the tabs in Onyx is is... Automation is the name of the tab, and that's where all the cleaning utilities in it are, are gathered together. It's it's some guy in France that that makes it, speaking of Suze. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's free. They have a different version of Onyx for each operating system. There's one specifically for Sierra, one specifically for El Capitan, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I've got the link somewhere, and I can probably just plop it in the show notes real quick. Mm-hmm that's what i use the most for that sort of a thing it it doesn't have the the um the more consumer friendly interface that something like clean my mac has but it also doesn't really it doesn't get flagged by the advertising injection software scanning utilities mm-hmm. as being a bad thing
0: so what about things like Drive. I think it's called Drive Genius. I don't use any of these software, so I'm not sure of their names, to be honest. But Drive Genius, I think it is, to see if you've got errors on your disk.
1: I use the bad block scanner in Drive Genius. That's the one component I use in there. Um, that's a good one for that. Um, I, I don't use any of its other tools. Um. But, then, I mean, someone who's really knowledgeable in, in drive workings is is what that utility is really aimed at. They try to put a, a good consumer-friendly face on it, but still what the utility does is a little bit more techy and, you know, oriented.
2: That's mainly for um, hard disk drive, not the SSD. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean what a lot of the stuff with with cuz there's an optima there's a drive optimizer in Drive Genius and you know like I said before that's not something that you would use on a solid state drive. Um but yeah, I mean the the bad block scanner in Drive Genius is something that that we use on a daily basis looking for problems.
0: So what would you recommend to listeners who don't have any problems right now, but do want to maintain their Macs to try to avoid problems as much as possible or try to catch them before they turn into bigger problems. Is there anything that they, you recommend that they do?
1: Keep up to date on your software updates is the biggest thing because then you get all the security updates um One thing I would recommend is if if there's ever anything that um you're forced to um restart the machine because it's kernel panicking or something, you know, something is crashing, the machine locks up and you have to force it off and then restart it. The first thing you should do is go straight to disk utility and do the Verify disk command. Um, although they changed that a little bit in L Capitan 10 and Sierra Verify disk would be in Yosemite and back the first aid, run first aid in El Capitan and Sierra. And if it finds problems, they need to be fixed immediately. Um, the directory is a very important function of either a solid state drive or a hard drive. It's the part of the contents of the drive that keeps track of the contents of the drive. And if the, the information in there is damaged in any way, um, that stuff... If it doesn't get fixed, tends to snowball and get worse, and then files start getting damaged, and it's not a good thing. And where the directory gets completely closed out, as you know, files itself is when the computer is either restarted or shut down. And if something happens, you know, a kernel pack up, panic, or a lock up or a freeze, where you're forced to put the machine um, off to get it going again. Um, that's where the directory is not getting saved, and it can get damaged.
0: Okay, and of course, doing all those backups.
1: Yes, um, and backups, for backups, I would say time machine first and foremost, um, but it's also a good idea to have an off-site backup um, just in case, because your time machine backup is going to be in the same physical Building typically, you know, whether you're doing it on a time capsule or a plugged in USB drive as your computer. So that's the quickest, easiest backup to restore from. But if your house burns down, you still lose everything. So something like Backblaze is, is um, a great idea for an offsite backup just in case. Right.
0: And for those listeners who are unaware, Crash Plan will no longer offer consumer plans. So, a crash plan is off the table if you're thinking about that. Yeah. So it would be backblaze there, or Carbonite.
1: Backblaze is in,
2: oh, you, you know, simply use oh.
1: better than Carbonite. Backblaze has a lot more flexibility in their in how the software works. Carbonite is a little bit more locked down. I I don't have a Carbonite thing in front of me to be able to kind of tell you more about it, but. Um, the but just the the Crash Plan thing. I know that they're not taking on additional home users, and the ones that they have, they're phasing them out over the next year, year and a half, something right. like that. Yeah,
0: I use Backblaze. I used to use cr- uh, Crash Plan, and it just got to be unwieldy. so I switched over to Backblaze. I think I just paid actually for the for the next year, like a week ago, and I think this is beginning year three of Backblaze.
1: And and Backblaze is not something you would want to use for a primary backup. Um, just as an example, um, the 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 single backup that is going to take the longest, whether you're using Time Machine or Backblaze, is the first backup because that's the one that's going to back up everything. And then after that, they just back up changes. Um, a Time Machine backup, when you're doing that first one, you know, it can take a little under an hour. It can take over an hour. Um, The very first Backblaze backup, depending on how fast your internet connection is, can take weeks. Mm -hmm. So that just kind of gives you an idea of how restoring um, one is much faster than the other. So you would never want to use something like Backblaze as your only backup. That should be a secondary backup.
0: Right. And on top of it, with Backblaze, it only goes back 30 days. So, if you realize that you deleted something from earlier this year, you can't get it through Backblaze, but you can through your Time
1: Machine. Right. And another way that it's technically not a backup, but if you have something like Dropbox, um, Dropbox with its—I mean, it's—it's it's just the one folder on your computer, but but that's up in the cloud, so it's it's another copy. In case something happens, so if you don't want to go for a full backup solution like Backblaze, you could get a Dropbox account. Keep your most important files in that Dropbox account, and that will give you an an offsite copy. And uh, Dropbox also, I think, has tracking of changes that are back up thirty days or so.
0: Also the super duper and a carbon or a carbon copy cloner backup so that you have a bootable disc just in case you can't get your main hard drive going.
1: Yeah, that's another thing I do. Um, I have a carbon copy cloner going to a disc image once a month. Um, so if anything happens, I've got my Carbon Copy Cloner Backup, I've got my Time Machine Backup, and also Backblaze. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So anything? any final things that you want to add to this, Tom? Um,
1: well, just, just from a what people need help with standpoint, there's three things that I run into the most. Um, one is failing hard drives. And over time, that's going to change because everything is transitioning over to solid state eventually. Like when when we replace a hard drive for a person, we hardly ever replace a hard drive with a hard drive. We almost always replace a hard drive with a solid state drive. Um, The only instances where we're really putting a hard drive in for another hard drive is if they really need the more storage because hard drives are per gigabyte are still far cheaper than um solid state drives, but I mean people's storage needs have been kind of outgrown by the size of hard drives as well, so the solid state drives are are um, definitely a better idea for most people now um, The second most frequent problem that I run into is as as I kind of touched on when we were talking about clean my Mac advertising injection software um and most prominently where that pops up is you're on the web and you get an alert for saying some piece of software is out of date. Um, but that alert is not an error message. It's an advertisement that looks like an error message. And then you click on it and it downloads this thing that is has got other stuff that comes along with it. I mean, some of these people will take... um an Adobe, a legitimate Adobe Flash installer, and repackage it with their advertising injection software kind of piggybacking along with that. So you download that, you install it, and not only do you get the Adobe Flash update, but you get all this garbage that starts throwing more ads at you. Um, so just being careful in what you download and not necessarily trusting those error messages that say something needs to be updated when it doesn't. And and the easiest way to avoid specifically with Adobe Flash is in system preferences, there's an Adobe Flash thing. And if you go in there, and I think for security reasons, Adobe turns this off every now and again. Um, If you go in there every now and again and double check that the automatically update Adobe Flash is on, then Adobe Flash will update it itself without even you know, telling you that it's doing it. It'll just do it. It'll just take care of it, and you don't have to worry about it. So then you see an, a, th- a message on your screen that says, oh, my gosh, your Adobe Flash is out, out of date. You need to update it. Then you know it's fake, and you don't click on it. And then the third most common thing that I kind of run into to fix for people is um, you get a family like, you know, husband, wife, and kids, where they have um, all their Apple IDs and iCloud and all that stuff just not configured correctly. So, you know, the dad is getting the 16 year old girl's texts, and that's kind of embarrassing. And, oh my God, dad, you read my text. And it's, you know, it's, you know untangling that mess, you know, with Apple's family sharing and iCloud and all of that.
0: So Tom, if people want to get in touch with you, how would they do so?
1: Um, well, probably the easiest way is through Twitter. Um, I am, uh, Tom Dar two on Twitter, T O M D A R and the number two. Um, the consultant I work for is called the Mac guys plus we're in Plymouth, Minnesota, just a, uh, stone's throw from general mills headquarters in the twin cities area. Oh, nice. Um, and the website for that is themacguys.com. Um, and that's kind of it right there, I guess.
0: Okay, great. Um, so we'd like to thank you so much, Tom, for joining us and sharing your knowledge about, about Mac maintenance. And we hope that the fourth geeky lady can join us again sometime in the future.
1: Oh, Absolutely.
0: Uh, listeners, we would love to hear your feedback. You can find all our contact information in the show notes at 3geekyladies.com with the number three spelled out. We would like to thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time.
2: And how could they contact you, Gaz? (laughs) For those who don't speak parrot, that's Gaz at MyMac.com G-A-Z at MyMac.com And you can also reach him on the Twitters at Twitter.com forward slash gazmez. G-A-Z (laughs) M-A-Z And we have a combined Twitter account which is Twitter.com forward slash guy and (laughs) gaz, (laughs) G-U-I-A-N-D-G-A-Z. And if if you wanted to let Fearless Leader know that you don't speak parrot, you can let him know that by (laughs) sending an email to feedback at mymac.com, no Z. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the G-Men.